Hi guys, I cannot believe that I'm actually doing this. I'm so excited. Guys, welcome to After 25. My name is Asha and I will be your host. (laughs) I really want to make the most of this because I have an amazing, amazing guest with me. I want her to introduce herself because I was playing around with this idea. I was thinking, okay, do I introduce her? Do I? Because I've done research. This is not a cop-out. I have done research. Guys, that amazing voice is the wonderful, really amazing Ria. Hi, Ria. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. This already feels like the most fun experience of my life. Honestly, I was like, and I'm so glad that it's our first time together. Yes. Well, our first time recording. Yes. So, <laughs> no, absolutely. So, Ria, please tell my our listeners everything that you do, all the amazing stuff that I I think you're amazing for. Well, and I please always... do toot your own horn. This is this is also why after 25, I wanted to get a lot of women from different career backgrounds yeah. who black women just to show us that it can be done and I also just want to celebrate you guys because I because I just feel like there are so many things happening and we don't celebrate black women doing amazing stuff right now just it's creating the, space. Yeah, yeah just you know just a lot of you guys when I say you guys I'm also black guys but when I say I see so many amazing black women especially in the uk creating their own spaces going freelance making Mm. their own businesses because it's hard working in someone else's company you hate it oh i don't like working for other people like i know that might sound i probably shouldn't say it because i will but i just you know like that that kind of saying there are people that are kind of less qualified less experienced doing more things and i think sometimes those people become bosses or they come they become CEOs or whatever yeah. and then you're underneath that and i think that can then be quite difficult to work under okay. working underneath someone that actually hasn't fully carved their a path that they wanted yeah. is kind of for me like sometimes one of the reasons no, why I, like, I want to just do my own thing it's crazy because i don't like what i'm seeing exactly and then you have to tell this person or you feel bad for thinking i know more than you yeah like yeah. you know nothing and you're yeah. telling me what to do and you have to go through that yeah. whole process because they're a manager or yeah. a ceo that you have to listen to them i think yeah my one thing was definitely like super early on my manager or whoever it was at the time was was crucial for me like if, and i was like if i can't learn from my manager yeah then there's no point me being here anymore. Um, because ultimately, if that's your direct line manager at some point, yeah, yeah. you kind of have to either like usurp them and wait for them to either move or or kind of them to be promoted and you're promoted as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, or just, you know, I think the right manager can give you such guidance and, and support. And when I don't have that, I'm just like, there's what am I always like, if I'm not learning, then there's no point me being here. That's yeah, kind of thing. no, like, oh my God. Jobs, or if I'm not learning, then I'm, I get I get bored really quickly, um, so I think yeah sometimes you know that I think the other thing though is that obviously the freelance life I think it's very like idolized yeah yeah and I'm like sometimes you know it, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to be an HR manager or, yeah you know a store That's... manager like there's this almost like seductive side of working for yourself. That, it's not that. Like, that is so true. Like, I want to get back to that. So 
your if you can start with your career what is it that you actually do please try it it changes yeah so my main thing is i am a brand consultant and strategy business strategy consultant for business for beauty brands so i work with beauty brands normally come into the uk or europe or whatever that's going to look like like after jan or whatever yeah um and kind of find their feet in in this market so whether it's finding read it could be anything from finding retailers to their uh, their marketing plan their pr like launch Amazing. plan okay. their training once they're in a store finding their correct retail partners what's your training plan going to look like for brands that are already established in the uk yeah it's there are so many brands have like coming and, and launching all the time and a lot of the oh, times it's crazy. These, yeah it, it's it's i mean that's another something new every day we'll onto that yeah but it's just is there's so much and a lot of these brand founders have never worked in the industry. Okay, okay. So when beauty brands launch, you've got a fair percentage of people are maybe, you know, doctors and surgeons and dermatologists. Um but obviously they're definitely on the more like on the more natural side, they're often just people that needed to find a solution. Okay. And so they started making their own stuff and da 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 but they've got no idea of like the business okay. side and the retail side and, you know, margins. Is they're like what you you know speaking like Mandarin? Yeah, they don't oh my get God. it. You know they don't get it. So I do a lot of stuff with that. Um, I've fallen into writing, which yeah, is I've read interesting. Sh- yeah, I don't. It kind of you know I and I think I've, I'm sure we'll get to it later. But I I publicly kind of called out some brands that had lack of diversity. A refinery twenty nine picked it up, yeah, and they just first of all they kind of featured the post and came to me for some um, some quotes really about what I'd said, and then they then commissioned like two yeah. pieces of mine, which was you know wild, but also like why not? You know why, why exactly? not? Exactly. I think we spoke about this just yeah. before we even started recording, just putting things out there. And so that's definitely an example of that. Yeah. So that's so amazing. So um. So that actually gets us to definitely talking about the diversity because that is another reason why I wanted you on the podcast, Mm -hmm. especially for the first episode to do with skincare. And, you know, like I said, like the podcast is for, I just want black women to be educated about so many different topics. So to start with, with skincare, you called out a couple of brands about like diversity and yeah. just like thereof and on their Instagram post and things mm. like that. And I think that's plays such a big part in why black women don't feel like their product is for them because they're not speaking to them. Yeah. Like so what like what what are your thoughts on more diversity in the skincare? I industry? think I mean we definitely there's so there's so much more we we have to do it's it's actually you know it's quite scary and i guess going back to the post the whole point of the post was that you know within makeup and color cosmetics we see you know brands have to have certain shades and certain you know swatches on different color skin tones but i was like why in skincare where fundamentally it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter what color your skin is as to what cleanser or moisturizer you use of course having more melanin will have a knock-on effect with certain things, you know, certain yeah, pros yeah. and certain cons, of course, but it doesn't dictate what you use. So why am I not seeing myself, people that are like my family or my friends in their marketing? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And like my thing was always, you know, marketing in terms of when you're creating content is not challenging. You either have your content that you create yourself as a brand, so your own yeah. photo shoots and all that kind of stuff, or you have your user-generated content. And there are times where I've definitely seen brands, and I've seen, sorry, I've seen people, you know, whether they're 
influencers or just normal people yeah. that are talking about the brand have pictures with the brand using it in their hands and, and it's not being obviously if the image is bad it's bad no one should ever put up a bad image yeah, well, I yeah. understand that <laughs> like you've got like a brand rep to, to maintain to with, yeah. but it just didn't make any sense and you know the responses back were just they were laughable really I don't I, I still don't if I had this question as to why I mean and, and it sounds awful um but you know, I've worked for some brands and I've questioned it and they just yeah. said that it's not it's not a core driver for them because for them if they even which it doesn't make sense at all because we know the statistic about black women spending, you know, significantly yeah. more than, than than white women on beauty. So it doesn't make sense. But when they're looking at it as a market, their focus, especially in luxury beauty, is still yeah. Asia. Um and by Asia I mean kind of East Asia, so specifically, you know, China. Um, as, and you'll see, you know, prerequisites now for even on a shop floor level, they they often want Mandarin speakers to, because that's the number yeah. one consumer in Harrods is a, is is a is someone from China. But that's so sad because I just feel like there's there's a missing they're missing such a mm. big group of people. Like I call it the Fenty effect. Rihanna released the foundations for different colors and just to show you like it can be done. So I'm yeah. like it's showing you like black women are just hungry for it. We we just want things to be aimed at us advertised for us and like you said about with skincare it's really the condition of the skin so it's either you're oily you're dry it's got nothing really to do with your skin tone nothing nothing. you know there are brands that kind of target just that yeah but you can i can use a cleanser and a white lady can use the same cleanser so they've got even they can do more and i just think it's so lazy and that's what it is i think ultimately it is lazy and it's embarrassing because it's not hard to find you know a model yeah. it's not or it's not hard if if someone is then using multiple models in one campaign yeah. it's not difficult to find someone that's a you know a, a fair skin and a medium skin and a dark skin it, it's not challenging oh God, so, you would think so yeah you literally would exactly. think it's so easy but they find it so hard it's because because it's lazy it, i think it this is where it gets a bit challenging it really i think there are two kind of categories of one is they genuinely just don't realize right because nobody in their office is of color yeah. so the people that are like oh i just don't see color it's like <laughs> okay well it's like, maybe don't you take should a yeah well, exactly well maybe if you kind of opened up your horizon you would notice that we have a significant percentage of you know bame um individuals in this country yeah. and therefore in the world but you know it's not doesn't take me to say if you get on the tube i'm going to see a black oh, white and asian like it's not that challenging so there's one which is just i think pure ignorance and I think not to say that that's innocent because it's it's that's very lazy, but yeah. they're so unaware that they have to be kind of shown. The other camper camps that are that, that know they have been told, they've been told by people that work for them, but for them it's not a priority purely down to the economics of the business. Yeah, um, and that for me is is of course it's inexcusable as well. You know. I understand that obviously I know the whole podcast is about black women. I understand that my my privilege, frankly, is a mixed race woman. Like, yeah. You know, whether it's my hair colour or my hair texture, there will be certain privileges that I have that let's say like my cousins that are full black, they won't get that. Yeah. So I kind of feel that sometimes I kind of almost use that privilege to to be even louder. Because yeah. I know that it's kind of from certain perspective, it's like, Oh, well that's okay, you know? Whereas yeah, I know yeah, yeah. that like someone else that's a darker skin tone couldn't say that i would advise that they would and they go for it but yeah. they would be treated differently exactly. which is the response world yeah exactly the same. exactly so i think it's about for me i feel like i have a responsibility to 
say the truth. Yeah. Um, a, because I just think it's shocking. B, because sometimes I'm also affected. And I'm like, if I'm affected, I'm quite pale, I think, <laughs> for a mixed race person. <laughs> then imagine all of the skin tones that come after me. It doesn't make sense. It's disgusting. You did mention just about making, speaking out, because you are in that space. Mm. Um, like, is it, as you experience working within the beauty industry, we see it from our end, I'm always like, beauty i've worked in fashion briefly and that was for me was just an eye waking on to be like within the industry itself mm -hmm. working as a black woman is something else like you yeah. have to deal with so many different things and you know for yourself now you're freelance as well you freelance yeah. like how's your experience been i think i kind of think that it's it really it's a great time to yeah. be freelance full stop but i think there's so many well, I see there are so many like groups and initiatives now for kind of, you know, black freelancers or black freelance women. So, you know, because it can be lonely. I think the hardest part of being freelance is there's a slight loneliness. Yeah. You know, you don't have kind of someone to necessarily like go for lunch with or like if you're making a cup of tea at like yeah. 10 o'clock, have a little like quick two minute chat. So that side, the sort of the social side of being freelance is challenging yeah and i think that's the same like regardless of, of skin color i think that working within working in beauty um well beauty or fashion i think as women of color is always very challenging yeah. because you're all you're, you're already a minority because you're black and then you're in, in, in a space which is actually very kind of it has a level of exclusivity and almost privacy oh yeah so you're probably one of potentially one other yeah, black yeah. person. So you almost don't have any like, not an ally, not that you have to have that support, but it's helpful. Because it makes the experience just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. We know, we've, we know and we've seen like countless reports and statistics where kind of black women have been treated differently uh, or black people full stop, frankly, women or, or not. Yeah. They have, they've been treated differently because of, you know, ridiculous things such as maybe the way that they look or their hair or, you know their attitude or their mood and it's kind of like these kind of stereotypes that then dictate how someone in hr treats you is, yeah, is I still unfathomable i still can't believe we still have conversations about someone's hair how in, how, 20, yeah, in, in 2019, 2019. It's like crazy. nearly 2020 like it's yeah crazy to it's me ridiculous. that someone's hair will determine if they're if they qualify for a position yeah. or if they come to work if they can actually do their role and I'm like, that's crazy. It's, it is, it's, it's, again, it's just, for me, disappointing. And it, it becomes embarrassing because when those kind of stats come out, it discredits your industry. Yeah. And it, it casts a large shadow, and a negative shadow over, for the most part, is actually quite a good um, space. I think the thing I would find about, you know, black people and black women, especially, of course, in, in beauty, and I, it was something that I spread, I read actually a really good quote it was about visibility. And it was yeah. a lot of, when we see all these things about whether it's like what I was mentioning earlier with the, um, with the campaigns, you know, we often see, or we push to have, you know, BAME women within very visible yeah. parts of, of the business, whether it's marketing and PR. And those are obviously incredible, incredibly important parts. Yeah. But actually... The, where, where the key players are are in jobs that are completely invisible so and I'm not saying that I'm a key player but my job is invisible I don't work in marketing or PR yeah. I'm working with brands on their strategy dealing with you know wholesalers it's not a very sexy side of beauty or a fashion yeah, yeah. but that kind of 
work is the work that does has more of an effect on their business yeah because it pushes exactly so i think that what i would my kind of not advice but i always think to myself you know Yes, it's great to be seen, but that is far more important to be doing the invisible jobs effectively within beauty and fashion, deliver much more results and have a lot more power than the visible. And I think, you know, when you look at somebody like, um, you know, Virgil Abloh at Off-White and you, hear, and you hear some of the things that he's had and his experiences and how he's made like key hires He's made some key hires, uh, some, some key black hires within the very kind of um, forward-facing like roles of the job. And that's yeah. great because it puts on a good image. But actually, it's far more important that there are black um, and, and other ethnic minority people in the jobs that aren't people-focused. Because yeah, actually, yeah. that's where all the big decisions happen. I think we forget about that. Yeah. Okay, you know, also as well, because we see on in magazines or on Instagram, you know, marketing and PR, that looks fun. That oh. looks sexy. Like, it's hard. <laughs> I'm wrong. It's still it's... a really hard job. But that's like, people think, oh, wow, marketing, PR, oh, parties and goodie bags and schmoozing. I mean, there's a ton of work. They do a lot of work yeah. to get that with managing a lot of budgets. But if a company, you know, they always say, if there was a recession, then the area that they would get rid of would always be marketing. Because it's yeah. important. And it's key, especially now with so many brands. But things like your finance department is always going to be more important. Exactly. And also have more power than your marketing team, for a fact. Absolutely. Because you can, marketing, you can go freelance. You can go, exactly. you don't necessarily, it doesn't need to be within the company. Exactly. So now, now that they are like freelancers and, you know, short-term contracts, companies are more than happy to pay that small little bulk exactly. that one time exactly. than have to keep hiring someone. Yeah. So... Now let's get to the the fun part because I <laughs> I literally want everyone to get pen and paper out because I felt like when I went to your event that's that's where we met. I went to your event and you had some really key key points about like skincare and things like this and to definitely so like the irony that I am and I've got like a massive spot on my head today. Oh my god, don't me I've too. Been Ill. <laughs> Me too. Like just out of nowhere. Yeah. That's usually the case when you're like, I was going to do a little um, Instagram little post and I saw this bad boy on my cheek. <laughs> I thought, guys, we're not there yet where I can just show you all the, the good <laughs> and the bad. So I literally had to like keep it down. But no, no mine's not down. Mine's out. It's just <laughs> representing. <laughs> no, because you always had like, you had some amazing tips of just how to do effective simple skincare because what i've noticed is a lot of a lot of my friends that i know are kind of like put off with skincare because they're like oh it just seems so complicated mm. there's just so many steps to do and unfortunately i'm not the best person to listen to because i love complicated i love oh you like complex. oh i love like the, <laughs> the 10 steps like i because for me it's relaxing when yes. i do my skincare yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. to do with the relaxing aspect yeah. of it then really like just to layer on different ingredients it's yeah. just to use a serum just sit there use a face mask so i just love the the extraness of it like i'm just extra so, <laughs> <laughs> so i would love kind of like to ask you for someone who's kind of just getting into skincare because i you know and they don't know where to start what yeah. where do you usually like give people tips like where do you start i think I always probably would start. I mean, it depends on you know everybody's like level of basic is is different. You yeah. Know? So but I always kind of look at and like and people are familiar with a three step system. 
from a certain brand. Yeah. Oh, name, I won't mention. There's lots of other brands. But I think a three three ingredients are, are core for everybody. And obviously, they've kind of changed as to what they probably would have been from that brand. But, you know, you need a good cleanser. Yeah. You need some form of hydration, whatever that looks like for you. Okay. So for some people, that will be just a hyaluronic acid serum. For some people, it will be a face oil. For some people, it will be a moisturizer. And then your step three is, is an SPF. Yeah. Um, and those are the three absolute must-haves for every single person, um, really from probably about the age, I don't know, 15, 14, yeah. 15. I mean, you know, cleansing, you know, there's no kind of wrong or right age to start cleansing. I think when I, where I used to work, we used to have quite a lot of um, teens. Okay. And... You know, you're you're when you're a teenager, you're hom- like you're hormonal, and you're still doing like PE oh and my all God, this kind I of had stuff. Bad and, acne. Yeah, it's kind up. of like for, for for teens, you know, a lot of stuff's happening. But whether you're a teen or you're like you know after twenty five, <laughs> or you're even if you're after sixty five, yeah. you still need to wash your face, and really, you still need to put some protection on. So I think those are the top three things that everybody, regardless of also regardless of what your skin type, your skin color, yeah. your skin tone, there will be. A skin, there'll be like a cleanser, a, a hydrator, whatever that looks like for you, and a sun protection that, that suits you. Yeah. Um, I think sun protections, you know, especially for, for darker skins, are always quite troublesome. Um, trying to find the right formula, and especially if you're using a physical um, oh. SPF that doesn't make you look like a ghost. Oh. I don't still understand how, like, we can literally send people to the moon, literally to the moon. <laughs> But yeah, I can't sometimes find a sun protection that doesn't look white on my skin, let alone anything darker. Honestly. I'm, it, I'm baffled. Um, you mentioned about with the cleanser. So how do people find the type that suits them? How can someone know exactly what type of skin they have and how do they... Oh, so I think, I think firstly, so there's kind of like how to check and there's like an ideal world, yeah. you know? So I think how to check... And I think what I said at the event, you kind of have to like check in with your skin. Yeah. You know, let's say you were cleansing it with your normal cleanser. How does it feel? And people are like, oh, you know, if it, if it feels tired after five minutes, then you must be you must <laughs> be dry. And it's like, okay, yeah, but things have moved on since then because also, as I mentioned, especially as a woman or somebody with kind of female hormones, your yeah. your skin can change on a weekly or monthly basis, and that's incredibly normal. So, just look at your skin, feel your skin, touch your skin. For me. The fact that people still are unaware of how their skin feels, and I guess because we don't have time, you know, we don't have time to sit in front of a mirror in natural light and look at our skin, but you have to create that time. Otherwise, we're still being led by a salesperson who's looking at you, you know, as I said, you know, maybe looking at you in the middle of a shop floor under horrific lighting, and it's just like, oh, well, you must be oily because you're shiny. And it's like, well... I might just be a bit oily because I've been in my office for eight to ten hours and I've come to you at the end of the day. So, of course, yeah. my makeup's going to be slightly shiny Oh, God, shiny I now. used to hate going yeah. to shops, like, after work because you've done all that and then your face is shiny. Yeah, so exactly. Then- so, of course, you're going to look shiny and then they're going to prescribe you, you know, a foaming cleanser. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, I, I didn't actually need that in the first place. So, I think first step is to maybe just try. You know, a lot of stores now, um, whether they're, you know, like your space and case or your department stores, are quite happy to give like samples. You, oh, you have to, to some degree, do a bit of testing, purely yeah. because no one can tell you. Um, you know, I think I have a personal preference for 
well actually I was gonna say for one I don't I like I like all cleansers <laughs> um, but then I guess I'm quite lucky that my skin doesn't really swing I'm quite my skin's quite balanced so yeah. I can kind of do anything but I think you know things that aren't necessarily foaming but are almost like creamy foams they're always quite nice on a everybody yeah like because, on an everyday basis yeah as well. so one that I love texture wise actually and also it's great because it's so affordable is the CeraVe CeraVe I always like CeraVe CeraVe <laughs> the CeraVe hydrating gel cleanser yeah that te- it almost feels like um like hair conditioner that is like six pounds in boots is stunning and that works on nearly every single skin type it doesn't it's not kind of oily or balmy because there's it's it, there aren't any yeah but also it's not super stripping like a foaming cleanser so i think it's a great way to kind of test the water for you know a, a f- tiny investment yeah um i think you know definitely going into kind of like colder climates and, and colder temperatures full stop you know balms oils now this is where it gets a bit murky because your doctors, your dermatologists are really anti-oils. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to, this is where the advice thing comes in. You know, I've had clients go to dermatologists and doctors and be um, misadvised or been misdiagnosed. So fundamentally, you you, you have to do a bit of self-research, you know. Yeah, Obviously, just- if, also, by the way, if you're going to a dermatologist, for a skin complaint, that is different. If you actually have a skin condition, yeah. then listen to your doctor. And, you know, you can still make your own advice, but that's always the first like port of call. My, what I mean is when people go to doctors without any actual skin issues, but just, just like general advice, yeah. yeah, then I think it can become a bit murky because actually you're, the dermatologist, whilst they are obviously experts on skin conditions, are not experts on skin products. Yeah, and that is a key thing which isn't always mentioned. So, for example, someone could be using, someone could have three cleansers, but maybe because the derm isn't familiar with that product, says, "Oh no, it's rubbish. Get rid of it." But actually, yeah. it actually could be a very good product for that. But they person just don't know because yeah, because they don't know. So I think when getting advice, half of the problem is who is giving the advice? Are they qualified? The second half is what knowledge does that person actually have on what's their product knowledge yeah in an ideal world you would have someone that's you know qualified and trained on one half but also very well experienced on products themselves so that you can kind of you know kind of cross them over and potentially keep some stuff that you already have doctors will often advise things that are slightly harsher yeah slightly and really stronger. Strong. um sometimes the skin needs that of course you've got to give it some nurture as well because then it will freak out um yeah so i, I don't know my, my personal preference for myself and really when i'm advising to people is a, a, a real mix of what i would call science and nature which doesn't okay. really mean anything but in essence i would have you know balm cleansers oil cleansers and facial oils nice but i would job. also have you know some super heavy cosmeceuticals uh, as i always say like you could have pigmentation or rosacea or whatever and fundamentally you know a very natural organic rosehip oil unicorn oil i don't care what it yeah, is yeah. it's not gonna sort out hyperpigmentation in the same way that a retinol will or you know arbutin it just not it just doesn't have the actual scientific yeah. capability to to do that to do that so if somebody wants to use rosehip oil because they've heard that it contains vitamin a 
it will take you about two years when what you could have done was just got a very low percentage retinol and fixed it in about two months. Oh, okay, okay. See, like, that's what that's what I think. Like people just don't know when it comes to the actual education yeah. of skin. They they don't know where to start. They don't know what products are going to be effective. Yeah. So. Like even with with the serum, so after you've cleansed, so in terms of serum, I always feel like a serum is one of the main thing that you could go really strong, like not strong in terms of the the um, the pH level or how strong it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in terms of like branding, maybe you'll go for like a really nice expensive one because it may just have more ingredients of what yeah, you need. Yeah, I think absolutely. With serum, you should. If you're going to spend on yeah, any spend product, on, the serum. on your absolutely, the serum is absolutely. the one. I mean, it's a massive... I don't know if this has been led by, you know, journalists, but there's a massive trend now, uh, and it's been a trend for quite a few yeah. years, where, where people will buy, you know, a cleanser that's maybe under £15 and will invest that, especially if you're limited on budget. Yeah. Absolutely invest in your serum, particularly if there is something that you want to address. Yeah. You know, if it's, um, you know pigmentation or dullness or you know like visible aging of the skin aim and it's just really it comes down to the molecular size and when i used to work on the shop floor so going back a few years like we're going where back was a few that years now so i started off at space nk i started off when i was at when i was at uni actually yeah i started off at space nk in nottingham um oh, that, it was a great experience yeah because it, was like my, it was my final year of uni and by that point i was like i know that i want to go down I want to work in the in the business side of beauty, and I just kind of thought to myself, well, if I want to get to the top, I want to start kind of at the bottom, at the, bottom at the colloquial the bottom, because actually to work on a shop floor is in space in case it's hard. <laughs> oh. You know, it's hard, it's challenging, and I really identified quite quickly that uh, you know the education and the training side of things is always going to be challenging in, mm, yeah. in a massive retail outlet you know because how are they going to get around to every single store and train yeah. every single person i think and, and it was just you know i met some amazing people and then when i moved back down to london um i was like what do i want to do and i managed to get a transfer to a space and k in Har- there used to be a space and k in harvey nichols oh really oh my god and that was amazing was it big because it was it wasn't a massive concession it made a lot of money that because obviously it's in harvard nichols and it was the time you know we're going back i mean it was there for quite a long time i think it was the seventh space nk store that they'd ever made and it closed down about three years ago now so it just was hugely profitable Mm -hmm. um and actually, it was at a time when Harvey Nichols itself made so much more money than it did yeah, now. I because cheer- now it's like kind of like a graveyard. Who remembers Harvey Nichols? Like when you're going somewhere, their conversation is always Selfridges and yeah. Harv- and I'm like, poor Harvey Nichols. I know. <laughs> but I think I think that's always been part of their, I think that's always part of Harvey Nichols' like almost like approach. Selfridges is a very inclusive store. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think you could buy everything from Chanel to Topshop, their pricing and even their location reflects that. Whereas Harvey Nichols, I think, is even when they're bu- they're buying, it's a lot more select. It's a lot more, um, you know, for people that live locally within yeah. Knightsbridge, okay. within Chelsea. But I think, I mean, I love that their buying options. And I like that it is a bit low key. If I knew what I wanted straight away, I would much rather go there and have like a very like quiet experience. Yeah, yeah. Then rather to kind than because in... selfishness for me is just a headache. It's too much. It's so it's... much. It's I get lost. 
all the time in there. I can. Av- I try to avoid it as much as I can. Yeah. I just feel like I don't care what they're selling in there. I will not travel for the yellow bag. I just. Wanna, <laughs> I literally. But so just, many people do. They I mean, do. literally millions people of go, people do. Yeah. People go in there for Primark. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a Primark down there, or yeah. there's a pri- your local Primark, which is probably would have been so much quieter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they want to go for the yellow bag, and I do prefer a low key. But I low think key that, that's the genius. That's the 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 geniusness of, of branding is that people will want to go there to yeah. buy what they actually probably can't buy, especially in beauty. They could probably buy it in boots. But they want that yellow bag. It's it's just, it's genius. I do love people. We're so easy. I do. I'm yeah. like we're so easy. So you met. So going back to your space and cake experience. So was it from then? Like when you started, you like I knew this is beauty. So I think I knew before before I started at space. I definitely knew. I mean, I did languages at university, so I was kind of like, well, I know I've got these like transferable skills, and also means that. Um, I always kind of said not that teaching is a is a kind of get out of jail car, but I was like, if if all else fails, type thing, yeah. I'll be a teacher. You know, like if if every single thing that I want to do doesn't work, yeah. I can go into teaching because we're always going to need teachers, especially language teachers. Um, but I was like, oh, okay, definitely beauty. So we start at Space NK, and then after when I moved when I was at the first space I was like right every decision I now make has to be really strategic yeah so when I came when I moved back down to London I could choose I had a choice of a few stores and Harvey Nichols for me made sense because it was like a store within a store yeah and also I also made some amazing contacts and I think that's the thing I always tell people as well that are you know either younger than me or just starting off in whatever it is it's like let's say you are working on a sh- i mean first of all why is there still shame attached to a shop floor oh let's not even get started. i don't even understand it's like crazy. it's really hard work when i used to work in um and shop floor you just felt i remember like one time um a lady from i think she was from dubai i wasn't too sure um but she kind of made a reference was like, oh, our daughters are doctors and lawyers and things yeah. like that. And you're just here. And I was just like, wow. So this was back then. And there's people who still yeah. kind of feel that way about yeah. shop floor. I think, you know, it's just this kind of, I don't know, this mentality that you're only kind of successful if you've got this kind of job, this kind of car, this kind of, you know, pay bracket. And yeah. it's just absolutely nonsensical. Because frankly, it doesn't dictate someone's intelligence, doesn't dictate someone's work ethic. It is purely a title. Yeah. And, you know, f- when we go home or when we give birth or when we die, your title doesn't matter. Oh my God. You know, like, exactly. you know I mean? like it's, it's irrelevant. And actually, you know, don't get me wrong, there are people in any industry at any level that either are absolute grafters or are the complete opposite. Yeah. But to work in a people facing environment, you know, with weird shift times, and and then also in a space where you're probably not even getting any daylight, <laughs> I, is challenging. Like you go in there when it's dark, and you yeah, leave and you come when out when it's dark. dark. Exactly. Like, you don't like know. You, you have no concept of what's happening outside. You know, like for me, everybody that works in retail, especially in large department stores where there are no kind of actual windows, should have should get like a vitamin D, like prescription for free honestly because your 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 health is actually um impaired when i first when i stopped working in a department store 
and my next job was then in, I had a massive window. My mood changed drastically. It it, it was incredible. Really, it's crazy, like the simple yeah. things that you need just to make yeah. your day go exactly. by. Like, no, I completely get that. Um, in terms of like you working in space in K, because I think you mentioned at your event that their training was, or did I get that wrong? Like they yeah. train really well in terms of like. Oh well, their training is challenged i would okay, say okay. i was writing this challenge because you've got maybe three trainers that work for the store as in for the brand okay and then you've got what 70 odd stores so fundamentally how are three people meant to get around 70 stores think of all the okay. new hires that are coming on all the time christmas temps whatever it's very challenging to have a succinct and integral, um, you know, staff members that are well trained. If you've only got three trainers for okay. the whole of the UK, because I was getting into that, because I, I, this is completely my bad. So I didn't hear properly because I was thinking, okay, in terms of like just training with the people working in terms of uh, helping people with product selection, mm -hmm. just thinking like, because that's one thing that you've mentioned before, like people that's helping, giving you advice on what to use. Mm. They don't even have the knowledge. No, no, yeah, they don't. They I mean, do, some yeah. do. Yeah. Just to obviously clarify and also to cover myself. <laughs> uh, some, of course, do. Okay. But that will be a... It also depends on the store. Depends... If it's a multi-brand store, so somewhere such as Space NK or their competitors where they have lots of different brands, then for the most part, they don't have any formal skincare training. They've okay. had product training. But to know the ins and outs of a cleanser doesn't mean you know the ins and outs of how that will affect someone's skin. Okay, okay. And th there's, you don't, it's not a prerequisite that you have to have a skincare qualification to work for a skincare retailer, unless it's something like, you know, your Dermalogicus, your Elemis, okay. your more, um, you know, treatment-led, of course, like those, those, those teams typically do okay, have, okay, you know, okay, like okay. facial um, qualifications. So when you've got brands so the majority of brands their staff members don't have any formal training okay, in skincare okay. that becomes problematic because you're selling a you're selling a product on the basis of what really just an assumption yeah. and you're basing it on what you see a huge part of skincare of, of the purchasing of skincare and obviously i get it it's challenging to, to do it at scale but it's the consultation okay. so wherever you're in um whether you're in you know, a skin clinic or you're in a space NK, you still have a consultation, but surely you, you we should recognise that you're going to get a better consultation from someone that's, you know, a level four skincare expert yeah. rather than someone that's never had any formal skincare training at all, has only had one hour, two hours max yeah. just on what a certain product does. It's 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 not the same. And that's when that unfortunately further discredits the industry because as i mentioned before people are then buying products that they were sold that they never should have bought that that product should never have been recommended to them um but because of the person the salesperson's knowledge they recommended it see i have so i battle with that feeling because yeah. As I said, I've, you know, after 25 started off as a page, a skincare page for me. And it's, it was more of, I just noticed that a lot of my friends were having babies at the same time and didn't know where to start in mm. terms of skincare. We're 
dealing with big breakouts and I was like okay let me do the page just to be like I'm using this it works for me yeah you shouldn't be put off that it's not advertised for you but if it can work for you have a look and think about it yeah so like for someone who's just starting out would would you be like go to a dermatologist like for someone to help where do they start the journey basically that's always my thing how does someone start that journey of Okay, I'm into my skincare now. Where do I start? I'm I think of a certain age. So um, my first port of call typically would would be a facialist. I would say go to a facialist, but there are certain points that have to be made to that. So a facialist that works with multi brands. Okay. So definitely by that point, I do not mean a facialist that works. Let's say for. Elemis or Dermalogica or Lizelle because they will only use and therefore recommend those products, products, right? So I would, you know, there are um, someone actually, if I think of an individual, you've got um, a lady called Pam, Pamela Marshall, and she owns and runs Mortar and Milk. Okay. They are in, where are they? South West London, maybe? She's incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, and she works with lots of different brands. You have to go to someone that works with different brands. Mm. Otherwise, you are just part of the sales experience. Mm. And as soon as your treatment is over, and again, because I've worked in the, on treatment-based businesses as well, you yeah. will kind of be sold to. Your therapist is on a commission. So, you know, I think there is something very different. When, so when someone goes to have a facial, you have that consultation face to face then when you go downstairs you get into the bed they're really looking at your skin it's yeah, a full on oh, analysis I, I love them. yeah i just feel like it's so intimate and they really take yeah, time exactly to really look at exactly. your skin so pamela marshall in terms of her product knowledge is fantastic obviously only if you can get there i guess because she's not everywhere um also and i did used to work here so i I, not like a disclaimer yeah (laughs) but i was a client before i worked there okay and this is um fern skin clinic and that's in belsize park so that's kind of northwest london they i mean so they have quite a limited um product ranges but in terms of the treatment and what they will tell you about your skin is invaluable and they are all of the um, therapists there have got at least 10 years experience and it, you know, I think whether when someone is is good as a therapist or especially as a facialist, I'm not saying there are a certain amount of hours that you know you have to tick, but the more faces you've done, yeah, yeah, the more you're, more the experience. more you're going to know. And sometimes you actually you have to touch the skin to know how it will respond okay. in a way that just visually. It, it can't possibly get the same results. No, absolutely. So, I yeah, think... I would say first port of call would be a fake. Again, if you've got a skin complaint, okay, then a dermatologist. Um, depending on how long it, how long you've had it for, if you've tried anything, if it's not budged, because it might just be a small reaction that actually you can just treat really quickly. Yeah, but I would say I would typically always say a facialist. A facialist. Yeah, which but then you know it's still quite pricey. I know. See, so that's, that's the thing. It comes down to. That, like if you can afford to go to a facialist but that's price is always it's always a factor it's always a point of conversation whenever yeah. i you know have a chat with my friends it's always like oh you spend so much on this and i think price point is always the thing but then i've now got now that i'm getting older i'm kind of like investing on things yeah. that 
you will see a return. Like yeah. I've, you know, I think loads of people are always like, oh, it's only skincare. It's not that deep. But it's, it's an investment towards yourself. Yeah. It is, you know, I know so many mums now that it's kind of like, I don't feel myself. My skin yeah. has done a complete 360. And I know for me, since I started looking after my skin, I'm a lot more confident. Mm. My my skincare stories starts from 16, starting to use Clinique because I had yeah. the worst acne. So it's, you know, I've seen that kind of put in that kind of investment into your skin. Is And also it, the other thing is that it is an investment. Yeah. You know, I always kind of speak about like a hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. And, you know, beauty is never going to be the pinnacle of your hierarchy of needs. No. Okay, fine. But it's a massive part of us as humans. And the way that we look aesthetically, we know affects how we feel. A hundred percent. So, you know, and also the other thing is you only have to look at other animals to, to see that even for them, your aesthetics, you know, people think all you say about beauty, oh, you know, Oh, beauty, it's just such a like, girly, vacuous, superficial space. And actually, it's not. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. But if you also take that out of it and look at the rest of the animal kingdom, you know, you've got monkeys that are picking and grooming each other. Like, as if they're almost like they're <laughs> hairdressers. But they're just like monkeys, like, in the, ju- in the jungle, wherever they are. So it's kind of like, it is an investment. But the other thing is that once you've made that initial investment, the aim is that you then can cut down. Because you're maintaining it exactly. now. And I think, you know, and this is the issue that I have with when loads of these brands come out, is that it kind of, it's adding to that whole thing of consumption and overconsumption. The right skincare products, and if you've got the right routine that's down, you should be using less and spending less. Yeah. However, if you want to use more and spend more, that's your choice. But the correct routine, you'll spend less and you'll use less. And you'll be spending less, not necessarily because the products are cheaper. I'm not saying that. That's obviously up to the individual. But because you'll be buying less, you'll be spending less money. And for really, truly, if someone could have like four products and that's their go-to, you only have to have four products rather than having maybe 10 or 15 in your cupboard that don't work at all. Exactly. Then what would you rather have? Exactly. So I, the added confidence that comes from feeling your best. You, like, it's, why would you not? It's crazy. That's why I'm always like, guys, the price point is there, but you can play around with it. There's this thing, you know, such a thing called budgeting. You yeah, can exactly, definitely do that. Exactly. And I think with what you mentioned about going to a, you know, going to an actual clinic, going to a, face, a facialist, those are things that it's not necessarily you have to do it all the time. No. Sometimes it's just like, let me just go there and yeah. see someone, the first facial, they will give you so much yeah. knowledge straight away. And then you can then take that yeah. and do as you wish. Like if that means you start going back or it just means from that one time, you now start exactly. looking at your skin differently. Exactly. So I also want to go back to with the serums. Do you have any that you would, Ooh. that you use and you love repeat buyers? Because I always find that repeat buyers are the ones you're just like, okay, I would definitely recommend this to other people. So a lot of my repeat purchases on on serums are typically always um, like cosmeceutical. Yeah. Because I just think ultimately, I think there's also the misconception that cosmeceutical, so your more clinic-led brands are more expensive and they're actually not. Like the price of, let's say, a, a, a SkinCeuticals or an Illumia, is typically on a par, if not cheaper, than the likes of your luxury cosmetic brands. Yeah. And so not only are they more cost effective, but they are also incredibly more concentrated with active ingredients. So, um, I mean, I'm a massive, massive Illumia fan. Yeah. I think 
you know, they are also a brand that you can't buy on the internet. You can only buy them from a clinic. So you have to have a consultation to have them. Um, but I, their ultimate boost serum, which is their hyaluronic acid. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh my goodness. It you is know just, when something's good yeah. when you're like, oh. You know what? Because I think hyaluronic is an interest. Hyaluronic acid serums are very interesting. Yeah. You've got everybody from the ordinary up into, you know, probably La Prairie doing one. So you've got, you know, a, a humongous um, price spectrum. But I think people don't really understand that with hyaluronics, you've got different types with different densities. Yeah. So actually to find one that works is a bit of a challenge. And I always say, like, if you've tried one that's a fiver and it didn't work, stop buying it. <laughs> just just stop wasting your time. You know, maybe spend one, spend maybe 20, 25 or 30. I mean, the Illumia one is like, to be fair, it's like 69. Yeah. But if someone is you know really badly dehydrated to the point that they're so dehydrated that they're getting breakouts or their skin is producing so much oil to compensate that they're getting tons of breakouts actually spending 70 pounds on a serum having a basic cleanser yeah and a basic spf is going to save them so much money in the long in the long run this is what i say literally yeah. i tell everyone i'm like you price warriors that's always in my comments yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> talking about oh my god you spent 30 pounds on this i'm like guys you spend and you you literally use less the exactly. more these serums that's like 40 50 60 pounds the amount that you actually need to use yeah. is so small yeah that price per wear just it's crazy you'll exactly, just be like okay like exactly. 70 pounds it's taking you stretch like three four months if yeah, you're using it exactly, properly exactly. so i'm always having to tell these price warriors to just leave yeah. <laughs> leave me alone guys also it's kind of like what you spend your money on is your business you know like mm -hmm. some people will spend you know every kind of month like 70 80 pounds on a pair of trainers whereas somebody else could maybe those trainers could look super fresh for like three four months yeah yeah like it's so you know i think there there is I was on the phone to my cousin and she was like, 20 pounds for a candle. <laughs> I was like, oof, let me not tell you about my dip tea habit then because you're going to like disown me. You know, kind of like, but, but it's like if you spend too less, like we're judged. It's just a weird kind of society, like off topic thing. But if we spend too, like too little on stuff like fashion, it's like, oh God, she's so cheap. Yeah. If you spend too much on skincare, it's like, oh God, who does she think she is? Like this bougie, well, <laughs> it's kind of like what I choose to spend my money on is none of your business. Do you know what I mean? Literally none of your business. So you can't shame someone for wanting for their skin to look and feel the best it can possibly be. Exactly. Just because you want to only spend like a fraction of that, but you're probably unhappy with where your skin looks. And that will, the thing is as well, is that when someone, you know, and I actually was at a talk, um, who was it? It was uh, the Refinery29 panel I was on and, yeah. and Dr. Anne Jolly was next to me. It's really speaking about the the psychological effects of skin issues and it's something that we often don't speak about. And yeah. she quite often refers her patients to um, to therapists to, for them to speak about how, you know, maybe their, their acne or their rosacea, when it's such a visible skin issue, how, did that, how does it affect oh them? Oh my God, absolutely. I, my, God, my mom will probably kill me for 
saying this, but her, she, after a certain age, started getting really severe acne. Which is very common, by Which the is way. really very common. common yeah. And for an African woman who's never been to a dermatologist, and at the time, I think she was like in her 40s, yeah. it was so disheartening. Like, And she's a woman who I just, she's so confident. Like nothing, she thinks she is, she thinks she's a spice. My mom... <laughs> So she should. As, as she, well. should so she should, yes. She thinks she is something else. And I love that. But I it just went just goes to say like when she was experiencing the skin issue, she was so low and I could see like it took a lot to kind of yeah. get her confident up and mm. and then you get people who are so crazy and rude they were like oh what's up with your face what's happened i've and heard some shocking people comments that people have made the bravados that people have yeah. it's insane and i know that got her so down so yeah. i can completely tell people like your skin and anything any conditions that it will play a crazy Absolutely. role on your Absolutely. your confidence so yeah. you know i can definitely yeah and I went through it growing up, just having really bad acne and not just being confident. Like, yeah. it's taken years to get to that I stage. I think it, it's a part of the industry and, and a, a part of skin that isn't often kind of discussed and spoken about. I, f- I feel like, you know, as we move forward and speak about mental health more openly, full stop, we will. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, there's almost like another stigma. But, like, oh, God, you don't want to say that you were depressed because of your skin. But actually, yeah. I always say to people, well, gosh, imagine when you've got one, let's say you normally ha- you don't have any blemishes at all. And you get one spot and how much that will affect your self-confidence. But now then multiply that by the effects of, you know, quite severe acne or severe rosacea and how much that would affect someone day in, day out. You know, for me, it's just unfathomable. So I think having the right support at all levels when you are going through certain things is is fundamental to your your, your mental health, quite frankly. You know, it's all all well and good me saying, oh... You know, don't get too down about it, or you know, it's not that bad because you never know how somebody else feels. You no, never absolutely. know until you're like in their shoes how they feel. So I think, you know, having a, a good support system around you, um, if you are going through changes, you know, for mothers if their skin has changed with yeah. the pregnancy hormones, a you've got to just understand that it's normal and. And, you know, it's kind of with anything in life, anything can crop up at any time. Oh, my you God. Know, like, I out could, of nowhere. At, literally <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, and I think I think actually it also comes down to that self-awareness with your skin and, and really your body is knowing, like, how do I feel? And just checking in with yourself. Yeah. Because people often forget how much that then affects the skin. So, you know, when it's a very obvious hormonal change, like, you know, you, your time of the month, that kind of thing, you kind of almost like expecting a blemish because you're like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen because I'm during my period. Yeah. But like stuff like stress, you know, imagine, I mean, I can't imagine I don't have any children, but <laughs> a new mom and maybe you go, go back to work and all of the emotions and stress linked up in that. Well, you know, there's a stress hormone. I'm so telling your cortisol you. levels increase. Some There's going to be a... Um, kind of a physiological effect somewhere yeah and it's it's quite often on the skin but people never correlate their stress with their skin no it's it's, it's like an afterthought for a lot of people it is like when someone tells you like you're like oh yeah i was stressed yeah back exactly then. literally that's the sound that's i'm like what, yeah, but don't you remember you kind of move job move country <laughs> yeah, and, like, and, you, oh. and they're like oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 so exactly so it's just it just goes back to say it's invest in your skin because it can affect you in so many different ways um so my question back to the routine toner needed or not needed 
I think, do you know what it is? It's the word toner that, that is problematic. Yeah, and so it scares people. Yeah, so the word toner, if we imagine the word toner just means, I don't know, hyd- like a, a, a water, and yeah. then you've got kind of two camps. You've got your exfoliating waters or you've got your hydration waters. Uh-huh. So I would say, you know, an exfoliating toner so you know a lick a very kind of viscous liquid base that has got acids of some form um i would say for most skins yeah they're absolutely fundamental yeah. because for a lot of people that will that will replace their typical exfoliation yeah so i think you know using um you know you've got lots of different types lactic acid glycolic acid you've got malic you've got something like you know i know you use the p50 don't you oh yeah I got, love which is combined so many different acids all in once is such a crucial step and what i also like about them especially for clients is that they are um very kind of instant gratification yeah when you use you know and they're so easy you can either like soak a cotton pad but that will kind of waste it. Oh, I don't bit. do that. Yeah, That's wasting hand. a product. It's seventy pounds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I know I said spend the money, but also use it wisely. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Be responsible at the same exactly. time. Exactly, just wasting it. Exactly. Um, yeah, exfoliating toners. I think I would say are a must, an absolute yeah. must. And the beauty of them is that. When you take the word acid, just often scares people. Oh my god! So that's if you take out the word acid and just see it as exfoliation, then yeah. it's like okay, I'm I'm comfortable. I know what that word means. And then it's just about again recognizing that okay, is your skin normally quite balanced? Then yeah. you can probably use any acid. Do are you aware that maybe you're slightly more on the sensitive side? Okay, then maybe look for like a lactic rather than glycolic. Yeah, not something not as strong. Yeah, exactly. And just kind of easing yourself in. I think with anything that's kind of um, <laughs> acidic or enzymatic or anything with retinol, um, people, myself included, actually, yeah. would always want to go for the strongest. Like, oh, with the yeah. strongest. Oh. And I, I hate that about myself because I feel like, oh, my skin can take it because I've used it before. Yeah, 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 I can yeah, take yeah. it. So I'm yeah. always stronger. If it doesn't sting, I'm like, it's not working. Yeah. And that's so crazy. Yeah, it's naughty. It's it's, naughty. It really is. Yeah. Oh, for, so for me, yeah, enzymatic exfoliators, or sorry, enzymatic toners, should we call them, they are they are a must i would say absolutely you know a couple of times a week three four you know again it depends for some people it'll be twice a week for some people it will be every single night it's dependent you you know use it see how you feel i've had experiences where um alumia do the most beautiful lactic acid yeah uh, called bright and clear and we had a client she bought it and she loved it she came in for a facial like i don't know six weeks later and she was really reacting um, as if like she was being very reactive to products yeah. and we were like what's happening because your skin was fine we, we know what you're using anyway she said that she was like oh my gosh you know that bright and clear she's like, I've been using it it's so good I've been using it twice a day oh shit and we're like <laughs> yeah that's probably why there's a reason we would have said use it like three yeah nights. no guys you have to you have to yeah. read the instructions <laughs> yeah. I think people try to remix it oh, and it's yeah. kind of like no these people know <laughs> yeah they know what they're saying yeah, yeah, so yeah. if it says two three times a week use it two three times a yeah. week you've got to ease yourself yeah. in like it's not you know I think it is I think I'm wrong like it's very exciting when especially but I think it's when you don't know when you don't work in it yeah like I'm trying to think of an example. It's like someone going to the gym for the first time and using every single piece of equipment. <laughs> you just would never do that. You know what I mean? You do like three, maybe four, and then you go home. Yeah, but with yeah. skincare, it's like, oh, let me try it all on at once. I'm going to just go for it. 
you know, it's whatever probably, happens, happens. Phew, yeah, and sometimes, but sometimes that whatever happens is is detrimental to the it, skin. It, yeah, because especially like for black women, if you use certain things that are way too strong, the hyperpigmentation that you're gonna have to deal with, yeah, it's gonna be yeah, yeah, so yeah, crazy. Exactly. I think, and that's why it's important just to throw in that SPF talk. Oh my God, absolutely. Because, you know, that's a conversation that I know that I'm constantly still having with my girlfriends to why we need to wear SPF. Fundamentally, people that live and are born in hot countries will not be out and about sunbathing or walking around at midday in the midday sun they just don't do that yeah they know they know when because it's they too know hot. exactly they know when they the stay in the, the shade they're like exactly. no it's way too hot. it's only us when we go to visit exactly. we want to be so exactly. fast to be shopping so, at 12 o'clock yeah i mean I, I'm, I'm i love the sun like but when i tan i when i'm at the beach i put a towel on my head <laughs> well head and like chest Anything yeah yeah else is still protected but i'm like you know, which is really awful. That should be my but my but my face, absolutely not. Due to having more melanin than you know, fairer skin people, there yeah. are lots of pros. We you know much more kind of potentially slightly thicker skin, and you know that elasticity is going to last for longer. And, and of course, with having melanin, we have a slightly higher built-in SPF. So the darker your skin, yeah, you, yeah. your skin will have uh, naturally a certain amount of sun protection. But as you rightly said, like by the time we're then introducing products that that their job is to kind of reverse it and to yeah. kind of exfoliate on a level that's far deeper than anyone's grandmother can possibly do, then you have a responsibility to to protect it. The other thing is that you know there's lots of talk all the time about oh you know do black skins need different kind of products? It's not yeah. like skin is skin. You're going to have dry skin, oily skin, combination skin, regardless of someone's skin tone. Yeah. But the one of the most crucial things with the darker skin is that a lot of studies are done on white skins, right? Yeah. So a lot of doctors, and this is why it gets quite important, actually, let's say if someone, you know, does have um, or does kind of get skin cancer is that skin cancer on a black person yeah. looks very different to on a fairer white skin. And that's why whilst obviously um, cases of skin cancer are far more reduced in the black community, the ones that that are known about, yeah. they have, they're much further on. Because let's say on a fairer skin, that's maybe you know, a mole that's changed. That's very obvious because a, a brown mole on a white skin, it's so we're going to see it. Spot. Exactly. On a darker skin, it looks completely different. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. And by the time you've noticed, it's much it's unfortunately it's a much progressed cancer and therefore you know we all know like you know the more advanced the cancer is the harder it is to yeah. treat so having that insurance policy of knowing that you've taken care of yourself in some protection but, but the, really the same goes for even rosacea rosacea to spot on black skin is not challenging if you're well educated and you've yeah. you know again done further research but if you were i would assume that when people are studying within even the books the educational books and articles they're reading yeah. most of the studies are naturally done on white skin on a fairer skin exactly the people that they'd have looked like so you know sometimes i hear stories that people have gone to their doctors or before they've even been able to get um what's the word referred to a doctor. Gone to the doctor, so you know i think i've got this and the doctor is like mm. well it doesn't look like that but it's like well, yeah, yeah, because how it looks on me it's completely is completely to different to somebody with a much fairer skin. Swear, so doctors. you kind of have to have yeah. like your confidence in uh, in knowing that 
your doctor is of course there to help and guide but they don't know every single answer yeah and that again even at a medical level comes down to their training there are countless examples of where people where black women or black people full stop have gone to their doctors and said you know i've got a rash and the doctor's like well it doesn't look like yeah, yeah what they're but used to exactly it's because it's like, of course it's not going to look like you know someone that's an nc20 that you studied in your book exactly. 10 years ago so that there has to be a, if you again you know your body you know your changes and okay we, we, we always say this about you know your skin type at a, at a very kind of fluffy level but potentially on a much more serious on a health related you, you have to have that comfort and that assertiveness to yeah. be like this is not normal for me i need you to do something about it exactly so that's it's so important that's why i always say like when when i'm talking to my friends i'm like guys the spf you're preventing yeah. you know it is prevention because like you said there are certain marks that when you go to the doctors they'll be like oh no it's not that it's so spf is a complete must this is one of the one of the reasons why i also asked you to come on the show because i feel you put on such a big emphasis on educating ourselves on our own skin mm, knowing mm, what works mm. for us like yeah. making you know kind of checking in with your own body and things like that yeah and i feel this is perfect for you to also talk about your company what your nafam that you launched um actually this was launched in 20 2018 yes yeah. what hold on what year are we, are we 2019 now? we're 2019 yeah. now <laughs> I, was like, what, I was like what year are we now so nafam so Please NAFAM the now, name. Yeah. People need to so, get so, into the name. I yeah. love the name. So NAFAM, the name, oh God, it's, I'm like, like stuttering now. Cause it's, like there's, it's, <laughs> it's so, there's so much to it. Yeah. So NAFAM, just to spell it out, is N-A-H-F-E-M-M-E. So it's NAR as in like no, and then FAM, which is the French for woman. Yeah. Um, It was very intentional, the name. I don't know if I said the story about where the name came from at the event. I was I like, obviously, I did. So my like, my degree was obviously French and Spanish. So I yeah. always knew like I'd have something French in my business. Um, and I was in bed at like two a.m. playing with the word uh, "femme," which for for people, I guess you know, it's like a British French thing. But obviously, everybody in the UK just thinks that "femme" is pro- is pronounced "femme" because we say yeah. it in like an English accent. Whereas you know, if you go to France, I would say just "une femme." Yeah, I'm, I am a woman. And I was just like, oh, I kind of like the fam kind of, you know, just sounds like this like, you know, UK, like, yeah, yes, yeah. fam, no fam. <laughs> I'm not going to um, lie. Every time I say it, I don't know why. I always say it in, like, in the UK, no fam. I'm like, what am I doing? No, but that's how I want it. Really, yeah? that's how I okay. want it said. And and I think, so the kind of first iteration of it was, you know, no fam. And it was like, you know, saying no to limitations and expectations. And I think even with the name, I was kind of doing that because I was like, I liked that it looked very kind of French and yeah. almost like sophisticated in the way that all French things kind of do in that bizarre way. But actually, everything when you French say it, yeah, it's like everything French. Everything like, wow, French. debt in French. Oh, God, <laughs> all of a sudden I want it, you know, anything. And But I kind of liked that, you know, for me, Narfam as a business was always, was always going to be like a high-end yeah. kind of luxury feel. And I liked that kind of the oxymoronic nature that the name was god you know slang basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for use of better words and i kind of thought well if i'm going to push the boundaries i want to push it in all f- different types of ways yeah. and when i kind of announced the name to like friends as i said half of them were like i get it straight away 
Others were like, it just looks French and that looks quite nice. Yeah, yeah. And then as I said, I think at the event, you know, one said that it reminded her of a feminine hygiene brand. And I was like, oh, I'll take that as well. Yeah. You know, like, who, I'm, I'm not bothered. And then it kind of rolled out and then essentially, so NARFAM now is, NARFAM is a new era of beauty. Yeah. With era standing for education, representation, accessibility. And it was really, I think, a culmination of my experiences yeah. in that I was really unhappy. My, my everything I do, uh, this might sound like a ridiculous, but really for me, the most important thing everything I do is the end consumer. Yeah, yeah. So yes, of course, sales are important and conversions are important, but how does the consumer feel on that experience? Which is and so important. It's it's so important, and it's often. I mean, a, a, really, a brand won't admit it or a retailer, but they often ignore that because they're focused so much on margins. Yeah. They're not actually speak, thinking about what their consumer wants, what their consumer expects, and what their consumer needs. And for me, I was like, everything that I was working towards, it kept being those three things. And obviously, with education, you know, with my actual job, a, part, a lot of the things that I do are kind of creating training plans for brands and you know, as we've mentioned, the, really the most important person for in a in a retail experience is that shop floor assistant. Yeah. If that shop floor assistant does not have the correct training, then they can't properly sell. They can they can sell. Yeah. Not, we can't dispute that. But are they selling the correct product to, to the, right. the end consumer? Yeah. Because as a brand you don't want your product to only be bought once. As you mentioned earlier, you want that repeat purchase. If you buy it once, it could be a one-off. I want, as a brand, I want that loyalty for you yeah. to come back time and time and time again. So it becomes part of your arsenal of products that you will always have and never be without. Yeah. So hence what education is so important. Representation, you know, we know my thoughts on diversity and inclusion and, and to clarify as well, that doesn't just mean on an ethnic level that's really everything Everyone, you know it's yeah. a socio-economic it's a gender it's a, a you know physical ability it's the way in which the industry dictates and shapes what is accepted as beautiful and i think that you know i'm obviously i'm not the first person that says like you know we need to have more diversity and we need you know whether it's plus size or, or women kind of with perfect skin and some women that don't have perfect skin because yeah. what does perfect even mean full stop no, but you... just about represent yeah exactly it means nothing <laughs> nothing but just about <laughs> representation in a way that's not just the obvious oh well you know we've got a few brown people in just to tick some boxes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's, it actually runs a bit deeper than that uh, and then the accessibility that's really again just making sure that the way in which stuff is presented and I think this is where we probably struggle the most is trying to still build something. Because for me, regardless of how much someone spends, they should still get access to a luxury experience. So I'm not bothered if someone spends, a, you know, £10 or they yeah. spend 1000 You deserve that experience all the time. Absolutely. And when I think when you look at retailers, not many get that right. Because, you know, you, if you go into a luxury, uh, like fashion boutique, Again, there have been reports and undercover, undercover, um, undercover, like undercover reports where people have gone dressed in certain ways, yeah, intentionally, and they've had a really bad experience because they've just been ignored. Whereas I always think, honestly, for me, in the UK, the pinnacle of good service for me is Harrods. 
Oh, 100%. You go to Harrods, you buy a sandwich or you buy a bag or a pair of shoes or jewellery. That experience from start to finish it's something is impeccable. Else. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's, you know, cases where people have had bad days and, and therefore it's reflected, unfortunately, from a human that which shouldn't happen, but, you know, we're all human we make mistakes oh but. yeah oh I'm that shopkeeper I'm that shop assistant that if I'm having a bad day oh I'm so sorry you will know <laughs> <laughs> I, think, but I think that's where when it comes to the kind of accessibility and you know one thing I loved about I, I like people I mean I, yeah. I also I, I also kind of hate people they just go I know oh, I love I love I'm, speaking and and learning and and I think to do that in an online space, of yeah. course, is hard, but I don't think it's impossible. No, it's. The, I think like it's the perfect place you can do it. I feel like with the internet, what's kind of helped me is just reaching out to people that you wouldn't normally reach out to. Exactly. And exactly. it's kind of you know you're meeting people that you have the same interest in. You're not necessarily anywhere near you, but it's kind of like that community. You'll find a community yeah, exactly. away from your own at yeah. home community. So, no, I think online is definitely where yeah. it's the perfect place to have it. It's just, you know, I don't know. For me, it just made sense for something to happen um, next year. Like fundamentally, NARFAM is going to be a tech, a, a, a tech-driven platform. Yeah. So mm-hmm. phase one will be a content platform. And... Um, Again, I just think you know, and not maybe it's like a selfish product, but I'm really just quite bored with the options that we're shown all the time. You know, whether it's video content, written content. Don't get me wrong, there are some fantastically written pieces and fantastically made produced pieces. There's also again a lot of white noise and the same stories. Like just space fillers. Yeah, exactly. The same stories being told by the same people. You know, I consume a lot of content, yeah, because it's kind of it's kind of part of my job, so to speak. Especially now, I'm doing more writing, but even as a uh, as an individual, I've always loved like magazines and and digital oh, magazines and video content. And I was looking at some of like the key players, especially in the UK, and honestly, it is shocking. Some of their like again, their diversity, journalists. I read a statistic actually just at the weekend. So ninety percent of journalists in the UK are white, and of that nine, and of that, and of all of them in total, only fourteen percent are from working class backgrounds. That sounds about white. Yeah, but also, but also the other thing is that you know to get into journalism, especially full time, you've got to do a lot of interning. You know, you become you're an intern typically before you start getting a paid role. So therefore, if you can't physically or, f- or financially, rather, if, if your family cannot financially support you, then of course you can't get into those roles. No, absolutely. That was my experience when mm. working in fashion. A lot of the ones who do get the roles are the ones who could afford to work for free yeah. for years. Yeah, you and, know? and it is literally it's for years. For years. You finish uni and you're interning. If you're lucky enough, you get you might get an assistant yeah. job at that place. But if you're not, you're literally going round for round just interning yeah. and not being paid for it. No. And, and it's only, not sustainable. Exactly. And only those who have money yeah. are able to, they can afford not to work and intern mm. And travel to central London because most most companies, I don't know how beauty is, but with fashion, all the PR companies, all the marketing companies were in central. So yeah, having yeah, yeah, to same. travel to zone one every yeah. day, if you don't have the money, it's yeah. it's one of those things. So I can 
completely believe yeah. that journalism is like this. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, uh, it's difficult to say, oh, that's race as well, because wealth to an extent is intrinsically linked to race. Yeah. Whether we want to admit it or not, they are. There have been, you know, laws and and bylaws put in place to stop certain races be able to create wealth in the same way other people. Those are facts, right? You only need to look at a a history book to know those are facts. So how that will then implicate the generations that come after is massive. It takes a huge, like it takes not a miracle but it takes an incredibly arduous person and also to an extent kind of lucky person to change the generational wealth issues that their family has experienced so when it then comes to journalism you've got a 90 percent white uh kind of database of, of, of talent and they are again whether someone is talented or not you know, people can say, oh, you know, but any anyone can just have a blog and they can write from there. But do you know how much is on the internet? So to get recognised, you would actually then have to be not only a fantastic writer, you'd have to be an expert SEO to ensure that when people are Googling they your stuff's coming first, out, you're going to get exactly. found. Like, you know, it's like a needle in a haystack. So there has to be... It just means that yeah, the content that's out there, for the most part, is the same trash we've been reading for years. Yeah. And a lot of it, um, is very one-sided and you know let's even look at what happened the other day with was it L Germany oh my and, god and you know you know black is back or whatever we're talking about black models I mean and even is they normal? even they even mixed up their names it's insulting it it's is. insulting it's the lack of professionalism you know that uh, it, it, it doesn't for me honestly it's just the whole thing is unfathomable and if that office because the other thing is what you know the, the important thing is that the amount of people that would have missed it yeah because you've got you know your researcher then you've got your your writer then you'd have maybe your editor potentially minimum three minimum three people have seen that and have yeah. let that pass that's an issue there's a publication that's just launched in the uk quite recently um obviously i'm not going to say the name and their entire office is white why how yeah exactly why and how so are you really trying to tell me that it would be it was that challenging to find someone that didn't look like you to come in and write Uh, no i I just don't believe that it's crazy with the amount of talent that's out there yeah like especially also especially in like like london is literally a melting pot for everything you know if somebody was in a in a little city or you know or a publication a little city or town outside of london where obviously the demographics are massively different then of course like you can't expect if there's only like one brown person in the whole city and they're not even a writer you're not going to hire them as your writer but london is full of the most creative diverse talent yeah there's no excuse for people to not be given the same opportunities anymore and if they're not being given them, then why is that happening? But as a, as again, as a consumer consuming content, yeah, then it affects the kind of content that we read and we, we get are. exposed to. Absolutely, no, that's that's so right. So with with Nafam, it what kind of content should people be expecting? Like what? So it's gonna have. It's, it's kind of like in a way of making education sexy so there'll yeah. be a large part on um on the education side of things which will probably be like unbranded it won't be necessarily pushing people to to buy specific products but it'll be more like what to look for and, yeah and, and kind of like 
the whole thing like the, the self-assessment thing um but also a large part of it will be completely non-beauty related i want it to be almost like with the events recognizing that yes i mean the beauty will be, of course be at the core of this because yeah. it's the for me my, like it's the most exciting topic but also bring about other things i mean especially beauty and wellness and health yeah. and then other things such as you know like if you uh, like if you are buying a house or if something happens like with your house or your career things that affect us yeah and and what do we do about them you know it's i think this whole kind of some of the things that we've seen oh you know like top 10 mascaras or top 10 cleansers or you know what is certain celebrity using is boring now yeah yeah and i still want to have you know certain celebrities come on board because i'm fascinated but i want to speak to them in a way that goes deeper than product yeah um so there will be some product chat with them but also go a bit deeper find out about things that maybe we've not heard before because i mean maybe they still want to share it and that's why it's not out there but i think we're quite lucky in a way that people are so transparent now and it makes um especially with celebrity it makes them much more personable yeah I like prefer- they're not these like perfect human beings you know they've got help and they have bad days and they can speak about their mental health and maybe put that you know all these different things yeah, that make you a that. human we need that like, i think it's we've now gone way past the time where we went on celebrity just to be this poster yeah poster person just perfect every every angle exactly it's now where we want to know yeah like, when something's wrong tell us exactly exactly so When's the next event? Because I went to your <laughs> first event, okay, which was what now? A month ago? Um, no, it still wasn't even a month. I thought it was October twenty fourth. Okay, okay, so okay, okay. It feels like ages ago I'm, now. Uh, another woman at the event, and like you know, following each other on Instagram. So that's another reason why I love events yeah. like this. Yeah. You know, you meet people that you have similar interest in. Yeah. So when can we expect the next event? Like, what is something people should? Well um there so theoretically so i mean definitely in january yeah i'm trying to get something together for in december yeah um but it's a really busy time of year and because i was ill last week obviously yeah. it's just also it's, you know it's just me so there there isn't like helpers there are, i don't have like an assistant so if I'm ill, as I was last week, for example, then that obviously throws off my schedule. Yeah. So I would love there to be a December one, but if not, I would rather have. I'd rather rather than have like a subpar. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's subpar, I just won't do it. You just there's no. Um, yeah, I would. I would rather just kind of focus on Jan and you know for the rest of the year, um, get everything sorted. I think, and my friend actually said to me yesterday, she was like, you know in a way because it's everything's still so small you dictate the pace and the tempo exactly so okay yes i said we'll do december but if i then don't i don't i don't have to answer to like shareholders like it's just (laughs) i have to answer to myself and my owner's appointment and it is what it is but we've got for next year so much lined up yeah and you know so and obviously with these events specifically they're skincare related um with something completely non-beauty related as obviously yeah because you you did it was finance yes we had skincare and money i'm so upset i missed the finance part which is actually the part that i yeah because i came a bit late Ah. the weather was so shit yeah the weather was awful that like i was coming from north so i missed that part and yeah i remember like baby daddy was telling me that's the part that you needed (laughs) (laughs) that was was actually part that i missed but i love that mix like the finance and beauty and just 
like you were saying about things that actually matter to us it was and that was again that was twofold for me i was like well my community i want them to be the most empowered versions Mm -hmm. of themselves so yeah of course you could and undoubtedly we can empower people with beauty but i can also empower them bringing other experts from other fields as well whether it's money or mental health nutrition wellness like you know there are so many different facets of what it means to be a human yeah that why am i only focusing on beauty the other thing is as i mentioned earlier about events is like we're already busy so if i can kind of combine in one event yeah. what would normally take two events then i'm just maximizing your time exactly. but you don't have to be out two nights in a row so yeah we've got some there are some really exciting ones coming yeah. up um and then i, I would imagine hopefully got another investment round that the platform will be kind of ready yeah. to go. Ultimately, I guess people are like, oh, but you can put out content now. You know, when I think about who I'm competing with, they are humongous corporations. Yeah. This isn't a blog. This is not somewhere that's just, you're going to just come for a little, like, check-in. It needs to be kind of a precisely and accurately done from day one. Okay. Uh, you know, with the events, I think, because it's a real-life experience, if they're not absolutely pristine it almost doesn't matter because there's still that human connection yeah. side but with on the digital side that for me has to be perfect from day one and i'm not going to put something out there that's not perfect yeah so um you know we need a little bit of money to make that happen <laughs> and then and then also from then you know we're just really excited to see how we can like push it and you know brand partnerships yeah. and really getting you know doing brand partnerships in beauty in just a different way in a way that's much more modern and much more accessible and actually in terms of for the brands involved actually is much more profitable yeah i think again there's this really kind of um not not misalignment but people assuming that if you like beauty you must only like xyz as well and it's it's again it's like actually no i can love a mascara but yeah. i can also really want to speak about global politics yeah at, no. at the same level you at know it doesn't there's no there's no kind of they're not mutually exclusive that i can't that you can't have someone that's you know got a phd in biochemistry also speaking about their favorite lip gloss uh you can completely get be into that but also want to know about global warming yeah and want to know about politics and the ins and outs of it of who Absolutely. i should vote for it and things yeah. like that so yeah. i think it's amazing can you tell everyone where they can find you find more information about nafa so we can stay so i've already like i've already, <laughs> I've already registered my email so, so i'm just yeah, waiting for my yes yeah. so, so my my instagram handle is it's underscore rea so i-t-s underscore r-h-e-a um i mean nafam is obviously n-a-h-f-e-m-m-e if you've kind of got one you can easily get through to the other because i'm kind of i've kind of have shamelessly linked myself on as both. You, but, as you should. Yeah, you know, I think, like, I'm really kind of aware that NARFAM is quite um, anonymous. Yeah. And really, that's what I wanted to be. It's, it's not... NARFAM is not about me, which is why I hate the word blog. Yeah. For me, I think a blog... Not that there's wrong with that, but for me, I think a blog is about the individual. NARFAM is never and will never be about me. Yeah. It's about my... It's, kind of, it's a combination of my experiences... But that's not, it's not going to be about me. Yeah. It's not going to be a me sharing my face on NARFAM. It's about really, <laughs> it's about everybody else. And, you know, the amazing qualities that all these amazing people around me have, whether they are, 
you know, just a friend of mine that's, you know, a mum or if it's, you know, a CEO of a beauty brand or a CEO of or CFO of, you know, a non-beauty brand. Yeah. That's what I want to see on NARFAM. But obviously on me, uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of like day-to-day stuff. Lots of quite boring no. stuff probably. No, they have to follow you because I love, you always show like the best where you go to get your facials done. I just, and like, yeah. you have like, there's um, the skin pill that you had when you were like showing oh, different yeah, places to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So you have to follow her. Like, don't <laughs> listen to her. Follow her and then stay in touch with NARFAM as well. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. God, that went really quick. I know. Um, okay, so thank you so much for listening, guys. I just want to say like, this is kind of an example of the type of women that I want on the show. I just want us to have good conversation for them to share their amazing knowledge, their industry, and give us tips and how we can use it for our everyday lives. Thank you.